Well, good morning. It's a privilege to be with you, be gathered this morning, and to open God's Word. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to do that, okay? Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for our building, our lights, and our sound system, and our heat, and the opportunity that we have to come before you and look at your Word, look at the story of your birth. So I pray that as we do that, you would help us Uh, see your glory, see your providence, and see how you would like us to respond in faith to the birth of our Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to start with a little story, or part of a story. Um, Story of how Emily and I came to be together, and, and some highlights from it. So, Emily and I uh, we got married in 2018, but we, we met at college at Clark Summit University. We, we both went there as freshmen. And um, so we, we were friends. We went back and forth as friends. We had some classes together. Uh, we, we grew in our friendship. Our attraction towards each other grew a little bit as well. I, I asked her to the spring banquet, and she agreed. So that was kind of the start of some things happening between us. And so um, we, we grew as, in our friendship, and went home for the summer. Um, I think my attraction to her grew a little bit more than hers did to me. And so over the summer, I, I kept in contact a little bit and really looked forward to coming back because, because she was going to be there. And so come back and have, uh, have some tension between us. Her, her attraction didn't grow quite as much as mine. And so we, we got to this point where we needed to... We needed to have a conversation, uh, define the relationship, but we, had to, we needed to have a DTR about where we were at. And, and so we sat down and did that. My, my idea of how that was going to go um, was a little bit different than hers. Um, I, I was going to tell her that I did like her. I wanted to pursue her. And so we, we sat down and, and um, she says, Mitch, I, I, I used to like you, but I, I don't anymore. <laughs> and so... Uh, if, 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 if that conversation could be put into a picture, it might be the, the Heisman Trophy, right? She, she stiff-armed me into the friend zone. And so there we were. We had to, we had to process that. We, we grew through processing that. And um, it, it was only a couple weeks. It was, it was about two weeks, but it, it felt much longer than that. And we had started talking again. We needed to have another conversation because we, we, we had started talking again, another DTR. And um, so we did. Like any, any good BBC CSU love story, we went down and sat on a bench by the pond and had, a, had another conversation. She, she read me a letter that she had written. And I had the joy of revisiting that letter over the weekend as, as I was preparing and um, it was, it was three and a half pages long. And so I, I sat and I listened intently as she described what God had been doing in her. And she gets to the end of the letter, three and a half pages. And in, in my wisdom, I, I, I said some words that I had to bite my tongue over because I asked her a question. I said, so you do like me? That was my question to her. And she, the, the look on her face was, was a little bit of disbelief, like, did you, not, did you not listen to anything that I just read? <laughs> so I, we laugh about that. We still do. 
the reality is I didn't, I didn't need more information. I didn't need a longer letter from her to, to understand what she was trying to say. I didn't need more words. I needed to understand how the information that I already had affected me. I needed, needed to understand how Emily's thoughts described how she did care for me. And so we, we find ourselves in a similar place this morning as we look at Luke's story of the birth of Jesus. We, we would be hard-pressed to find new groundbreaking information, right, about how the birth happened. We, we, we have the details. So what we have to do is understand how what we do have affects us. The, the story that's been around, the story we visit every year, it's been around for, for thousands of years, is, is the same story. Maybe some of those details are new to you because you're new to church or you're new to the Bible, but what we have to do is ask this question of the story, what do, we, what do we do with the birth of Jesus? What do we do with this story? So I believe Luke gives us an answer to that question as we, as we begin to look at the story. And we're going to start in chapter 1 of Luke. Um, so turn in your Bibles there if you would. Luke chapter 1. And there's a, there's a Bible in the seat in front of you if you need one. It's going to be page 714 in that Bible. So Luke chapter 1, verse 1 says this. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. Luke was not the first person to write about the life of Jesus. and He, he wasn't even an, an eyewitness to many of the stories that he wrote about. But Luke saw a need to write to his friend Theophilus an account that ordered what happened. In his orderly account, right, he he lays out the story and the timeline. He, he orders the people and the places and the times and the details so that Theophilus would have certainty about what he already knew. Just, just like me with the letter, I, I knew I had heard what Emily said, but I needed to know what to do with it. And Theophilus was supposed to have certainty. What, what does that mean? Did, did Theophilus doubt what he had already heard? Did he doubt that these things were true? It's possible, but, but the idea of certainty is more than just factual or intellectual. Luke has in mind that Theophilus would, would not just know what happened, but place his faith in the Savior that Luke was writing about. Luke's aim is not a history book, although it does include history. His aim is a, is a faith book. So we, like Theophilus, must slow down to notice the details that Luke highlights, asking the question, why did Luke place this here? Because believing the details of this orderly account lead us to place our faith, to exercise our active faith in Jesus. So as we consider the, the story that we visit every year, the story of the birth of Jesus, we can consider how God uses Luke to show his care for us. Um, 
a little bit of a play on words with this, with this statement. This morning, I want to say that the devil isn't in the details, the, the faith is in the details. And so let's consider the story of our Savior's birth as Luke records it in Luke chapter 2. You can look over at Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went out from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to be registered with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in swaddling cloths. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So, as we consider the details of Luke's account, we're going we're gonna to see how we should respond in faith to our Savior. Responding in faith to our Savior. And the, the first way that we should respond is to stand in awe of God's glory. Stand in awe of God's glory. And, and the shepherds illustrate this for us. As we witness the glory of God in the Savior's birth, we should take a posture of reverence and respect mixed with, with dread and wonder. This, this idea of, of standing in awe makes me think about the movie The Polar Express. My, my wife likes to make fun of me because I, I don't watch many movies and so she'll always ask, have you seen that movie? Have you, how have you not seen that movie? And she asked me about the Polar Express recently. I, I have seen the Polar Express. And if you remember this movie, the, the boy and his friends are on the train and they're riding into the North Pole. You can see it on the horizon. It's a, it's a, a glob of lights. And they're, they're winding on the tracks and they, they arrive at the North Pole. And they pull in and the elves have to make way because the train is pulling right into the center of the North Pole. And there's the, the tree, the massive tree, and, and all the elves are jumping and, and praising uh, something. And so that's, that's what I picture a little bit when I think about standing in awe. The shepherds stood in awe, not quite in the same way. And there was some lights, but they, they weren't quite the same. The, the shepherds are in, in the field doing their normal thing, right? They're, they're tending sheep. And all of a sudden, there's an angel standing right in front of them. All right, that's, 
That's interesting. And then all of a sudden, there's a light shining around them, like turning the lights on in the middle of the night, right? You're, you're disoriented. You don't know what's going on. And so they were, they were afraid. I would have been afraid too if I was there. The angel is, is there. The, the angel causes them to fear. But the glory of God is what's shining around them. The glory of God is shining around them. And, and they're there, and they're in awe. They were terrified because of God's presence in his angel. So God in his glory filled the, the field with a glorious light. He also filled the stable with a newborn cry. Standing in awe of God's glory looks like revering his splendor, standing in awe of, of his brilliant display of, of his glory, but it also means holding his glory in the manger. It's, it's not quite extraordinary at first glance, a baby in a manger, but that is God. It is God laying there. And so how, how did the shepherds respond when, when they went and, and saw the baby? Did they respond in the same way that they did to God's glory out in the field? I'm not sure. They might have not been afraid, but they wondered, certainly. At Christmas, we're, we're tempted to to wonder, to be in awe of the magic of Christmas, right? Kind of like the, the Polar Express. You see the trees, you see the lights, the presence underneath the tree. The, the magic of the Christmas season, right? The, the music, the, the cookies, the caroling, whatever it is, we have to be careful not to replace the awe of the holiday for awe of Jesus. Don't, don't let what is in front of you in the world, what you see day in and day out as you drive around, as you listen to the radio or watch TV, don't, don't, don't let that distract you from what we have in front of us in God's word. The story of the Savior being more, God's glory being revealed in a baby. The, the song that we just sang, O Holy Night, one of the phrases in that song that I was worshiping strongly to, was in the second verse. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise, raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name, standing in awe of God's glory. It's in the birth of our Savior. It's in his pronouncement to the shepherds, and, and that should be our response as well. There, there's no need for us to be afraid, just like the shepherds. There's, there's not a need for, for dread, but there's a second response that we must have. And, and seeing the Savior born in Bethlehem, we must rejoice. Rejoice that the good news reached a field near Bethlehem. And the good news reached Clark Summit, Pennsylvania as well. The, the shepherds certainly rejoiced because of what the angel had delivered. It was good news that caused them great joy. And, and so we should be filled with joy and gladness considering God allowed the good news of the Savior's birth to reach those shepherds near Bethlehem. They, they were unlikely recipients of the news of a king. right? They, they, were, they were poor, they were dirty, they were lowly, not trusted. They were the, the lowly of society. But the, the news did reach them. That's, that's where God went first, was to the shepherds in the field. 
the news of a king came to them in the night, maybe even spiritual darkness. And, and he, he came into the world, Jesus did, in a lowly way, showing that his arrival was for the lowly, even, even those shepherds in the field. His, his announcement to them showed that his life would be for them. Not only did the, the news reach those shepherds, though, the good news has reached you and me. We, we should rejoice in the fact that 2,000 years later, we have with certainty this story. We, we have the details with, certain, with certainty. And, and with that certainty, it's not just factual, it's not just intellectual, but we know that Jesus was born. We know our Savior was born. How wonderful to have God's word, which was preserved and passed down, that tells us of the Savior's birth. We have the good news. There, there weren't many people who learned about it initially, or the people in the stable, maybe the people in the house and the shepherds, of course, a multitude of angels. What a privilege it is for us to know this good news as well. The same care that God used in bringing his son into the world is the same care that he's used preserving his word until now. Think about another song that, that has a line that goes like this, two wonders here I confess my worth and my unworthiness. So I, I, I tend to think that maybe I deserve to hear this message, but it's only because of Jesus. My unworthiness stands there as well. Rejoicing then is an action. It's, it's, not, it's not something that happens to us. Rejoicing is something that we do. It's, it's to have joy continually. Having certainty about Jesus' birth results in my life being characterized by joy, right? Joy in serving one another. Joy in loving one another as Christ has loved me. Joy in the, the joys of life, right? The birth of children, the, the announcement of engagements, things like that. Joy in suffering, even joy in suffering. Our hope is not in ourselves or in anything in this world, our joy is, is not in the Christmas holiday. Our joy is in the good news of the birth of our Savior. And so rejoice over his birth. Stand in awe of God's glory, glory revealed in his Son, Jesus Christ. There's a final response that I'd like us to consider from Luke's account. And this final response is, after standing in awe, rejoicing in the good news, is believing in the Savior. Believing in the Savior. Seeing Luke's account of the birth of Jesus leads us to believe in the person of Jesus. Right? We, we, don't, we don't believe in the story of Jesus. We we, well, we, we do believe, but that's not the object of our faith. The, the history of Caesar Augustus, the census, the shepherds, they're, they're important details, but that's not where we place our faith. We place our faith in Jesus. This Jesus, the, the babe, is the Messiah. He is Christ, the Lord. And he has come today. That, that's part of what the, the angels tell the shepherds. Look, look with me in verse... Um, Verse 10 and 11, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. 
I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, today, the Savior is born to you. This is a theme of Luke's throughout the book, this idea of today, this day. Some other notable times that he uses it are with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is in the tree, and he came to him, and he said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must go to your house today. And later on in that conversation, he says, today salvation has come to this house. He also uses it as he hangs on the cross. There's a thief next to him, and he says, as the thief believes in him, today you will be with me in paradise. So today the Savior is born. Not, not actually today, not actually December 18th, 2022, but but we know of it today. And the message that the shepherds got was that it was today. The Savior has been born to you. Born to you. The Savior's coming is effective. It's not just a story. It's not something that just happened and was moved on from. Jesus was born to the shepherds. And Jesus was born to you as well. And that's, that's why he's the object of our faith. It's, it's because Jesus came to save you. He was born for you because he is the Messiah. So we, we need to believe in our Savior. Not just the story, not, not just the details, but believe in Jesus. And so that, that begs us to ask, what will you do with this Jesus? What will you do with, your, with the Savior So the end of, end of uh, the account, part of the account that I read, let's look again at verse 13. What the angels say, suddenly there was a great company of the heavenly host. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace on those whom his favor rests. Verse 15, when the angels had left, and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So go and, go and see Jesus. Respond in faith and go see Jesus. Maybe like the shepherds, you need to go see Jesus for the first time. them going to Bethlehem, into the town, was them seeing Jesus for the first time, seeing their Savior face to face. And so considering this orderly account that Luke gives, maybe you need to to see Jesus for the first time, to believe in him. Maybe you know the story. Maybe you've been around church. Maybe um, you believe in the story, but you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, the, the king who has come to save his people from their sins. He's our promised savior. There's an interesting story in the book of John that illustrates this for us. Jesus is walking through Samaria with his disciples and he stops and he, he visits a well because they're thirsty. And he starts talking with a woman that by their standards he shouldn't have been talking to, right? She um, was a Samaritan she had been divorced several times. And so the, there's this whole story. And, and Jesus reveals himself to her. 
reveals who he is to her, and she believes. She believes in Jesus to be her savior. She wonders if he was the Christ, and he was. And she believes. Verse 39 of, of John 4 talks about what the woman did. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything that I did. So this woman believes and, and many people come to know Jesus as their savior because of her. But a couple verses down in verse 42, those people who come to believe in Jesus as well say to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Is that what you need to believe this morning? Do you need to believe and see this Jesus as your savior? Savior of the world, but your savior. Trusting in him for the payment of your sins. Maybe you need to see Jesus for the first time. Maybe you need to renew your persuasion though. You've, you've already believed in Jesus, but this season marks being distracted. It marks not being in wonder of the birth of the Savior. And so, like Theophilus, do you need your persuasion renewed? Do you need your faith encouraged? This, this orderly account of the birth of our Savior calls us to stand in awe of God's glory. Rejoice that the good news came to us and believe again in the Savior. Like an engagement or, or a pregnancy or, or other good news, it's hard to keep that good news that we, we actually believe is good news. That was one of the hardest things about the beginning of Emily's pregnancy with Caitlin is not telling people for a couple weeks. We just couldn't keep it in because it was great news. And so this season, as our faith is is strengthened by considering how Luke orders this account. How, how do you need to be reminded of this good news of the Savior coming? How do you need to share this good news of the Savior's birth? If we respond to the Savior in faith, we won't be able to be quiet about his birth. So as we go into this week of Christmas, right, the, the week that Christmas is going to happen, the, the holiday, the traditions, the presents, the different things. Let's consider, let's consider Jesus. Let's consider how he would want us to respond in faith, praising him for his glory revealed, rejoicing that we have this good news and, and believing and sharing it with others. <clears throat> would you pray with me? Lord, thankful for your word. We're thankful for its truth. We're thankful for how it reveals Jesus, our Savior. Would you, would you help us apply this word to our hearts, apply it to our lives and our actions so that we could respond in faith to how you had Luke write this account? Help us be impressed. Help us be in wonder and reverence for the Savior coming to earth. Help us have joy this season. Help us not be distracted. And I pray that you would help us believe in this Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.